The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Guys, we're talking about being ordinary saints. Uh, a saint is not ordinary, that's the thing. Um, to be holy and set apart, that's what it means to be a saint. And we are, we are made that way by the blood of Christ but we are also supposed to be growing into that. It's interesting. C.S. Lewis puts it in such an incredible way. He says, When we come to the Lord, when our lives are turned over, when we're washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, like we got to witness today, um, when God sees us, He sees Jesus. In other words, when God looks at you, if you've made that decision, God sees His Son. That's how He sees you. And that is a humbling thing, but it's the truth. But C.S. Lewis puts on the end of that, and it's backed up by Scripture very well, that the Holy Spirit, in conjunction with Jesus Christ himself, stands with us, making us look more like Jesus every day. Um, This is not about earning salvation. This spiritual disciplines thing is not about earning salvation. We cannot do that. That's not our purpose or our job. Our job is to look more and more like Jesus. And we got a new, a new young sister and a new young brother who has begun this journey as well of looking more like Jesus. Yes, yes, looking like saints. Um, there's, there's no age limit to this, folks, all right? There is not. And so far as we've looked through this journey for, for a few weeks now, we started, JB opened this up for us in a powerful way, talking about submission, which the word for that, the, the word that, 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 that works a little more in our vocabulary is obedience. Our God desires obedience from us. And then we followed that up with fasting. Fasting, the, the, can that be an important thing in our lives still today? Jesus commanded his followers to do it. He said his followers would do that. We followed that last week with study. Diving into this as well as the things God puts around us that we can learn from. And if you have, if you missed one of those weeks, please, on our website, go to resources and you can go to sermons or you can go to the podcast and, and we have, go to Daring Christian Church and you will find those sermons and, and catch up if you haven't because I don't have time to go in depth about those things. All right. Well, today we're going to dive something to something a little bit different. But first of all, I want to challenge you. you. Do you like challenges? Here's a challenge. Here's a challenge for a number of you specifically because this year I was the assistant dean. Next year I will be the dean of 5-6 camp. And so that means a lot of you are going to be coming with us. Isn't that right, Aaron and Christine? Would you say it was good? Are you going back next year? Put you on the spot right here. Okay. Aaron's like, well, my girls are growing up. I, don't, I might go to junior high. I don't know. And Desi's like, no, you're not, Mom. You're not coming to my camp. <laughs> Um, here's a challenge for you, okay? If you like challenges, here is a challenge that I promise you will test you. Sunday night of camp. That means the campers are not tired yet. I don't know what moms and dads give their children before they come to camp, but I want some of it to get me through the week, all right? Because they come amped up, all right? And they arrive, and you've got 35. Five fifth and sixth grade boys all in one room, a room that is loud, that has no whatsoever type of sound dampening material. We're talking concrete and sheetrock, okay? 
and try to get those boys to be quiet the first night of camp after the lights go out. Cain, where'd you go there, buddy? Yeah. Cain was silent as a sheep. Never said a word. Never heard anything out of him in the dorm. Isn't that right, Cain? <laughs> Don't make me lie, preacher. All right, I just got out of the water. All right? Okay, so this is, this, is, this is the different tactics over years of working at camp. As you can tell, one of them's yelling. I don't have a voice yet, okay? All right, stories, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. You tell some stories, and, but they never have enough. They want another story and another story. Okay, here's another one. You can say, okay, campers, you can, you can like bargain with them, okay? You say, all right, campers, here's the deal. A little give and a little take. For 15 seconds, you can scream as loud as, or yell as loud as you possibly can. But after that 15 seconds, it's got to be quiet. The problem is, you give them what they want first. That's not a good bargaining tactic. And all you do is, is, is fire up the dorm above you or below you by them screaming when that dorm parent has finally gotten their crew to sleep. All right? So that one, uh, I don't know. How about this one? Um, this one always works. If you want people to be quiet in a dorm or at a family reunion, just start praying. Just close your eyes, start praying. And pretty soon people are like, oh, he's praying. We've got to be quiet. We've got to be quiet. Even works on fifth and sixth grade boys. All right? So you just start praying. That one works, but you can only pray so long. Paul says pray without ceasing, but you get tired at camp, okay? All right. Threaten them. Threaten them. Okay, now I'm not talking bodily harm, I'm talking no recreation tomorrow, okay? And it, that one actually is pretty, pretty effective at times until they call your bluff, all right? So, um, because you're too busy to keep kids from going to recreation, I should not say this, okay? Um, run laps, I've seen that one done before, all right? I've seen, I've seen people threaten the children, did I mention that one before, threaten them? Okay, push-ups, push-ups, I've seen that one used a number of times, all right? Um, you know the most effective thing I've seen over the years, and I learned this from a teacher, a fifth grade teacher who's been at the camp the last, I don't know how many years, his name's um, Dave, I always forget his last name, Eddington. I always want to say Edison, (laughs) because he's brilliant, all right? Dave Eddington, and I think he does this in his classroom at school as well, music. He brings music, sets it on a timer. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't set the timer right sometimes, and it's 1.30 in the morning. All the kids are asleep, but I'm not because the music is going. And I have not figured out how to turn that thing of his off yet, all right? I, I plugged everything. It kept on going. It's crazy. God was powering it or something, all right? But music works. It works to get them to simply do this. Just be quiet. If you'll just be quiet for two minutes, you'll fall asleep. I promise you, just be quiet. You know, I I thought about, I wish I had been on track with this, but it's camp season, all right? And camp season, it's tough to multitask. And I so much wish I knew exactly where we were going in this sermon. I knew the topic, but I didn't know exactly where, because I would have loved to have gone around with with my camera on my phone and interview kids at camp this past week and ask them this question. Give me the places or the times that you get shushed by mom and dad. All right? And these are the few that pop into my mind. Now, I didn't get to ask because that would have been a great video. I wish I'd done that, but oh well. All right. Um, Church? How about that one? You ever been shushed at church before? All right. Anybody going to get shushed at church today? 
Okay, all right. Um, how about a wedding or a funeral? You ever been shushed at a wedding or a funeral? The movies? I've shushed a lot of kids at movies before that weren't mine. It's like, what did you bring? You just spent eight bucks. Eight bucks for this kid to come and talk. All right? Shut them up. All right? Okay. Um, how about a road trip? You ever been shushed on a road trip before? Okay. Uh, <laughs> my girls know this one, a deer stand. You've been shushed in a deer stand or a deer blind before. Shh. The deer can hear everything but me doing this. Shh. Okay. How about a camp dorm? I know there's a few of them here today who've been shushed there before. Here's a question for you. Has God ever told you to shush, hush up, or shut it? All right, that's one of my favorites. Just shut it, all right? Today what we're looking at as we take this journey through uh, spiritual discipline is, is a word that doesn't get used a tremendous amount. And the word is this solitude. Solitude. Um, Richard Foster, again, I'll mention him a number of times in the weeks to come, and so will JB. Um, He's the author of a book called Celebration of Discipline. It's it's from his son's book, Nathan Foster, who wrote wrote The Making of an Ordinary Saint, that that we are getting the direction that we are going in this series. And Richard Foster, who wrote this book a number of years ago, he he said this about, about solitude. He says this, In our day, God is using the spiritual discipline a solitude as the great liberator. Solitude liberates us from all the inane chatter that is so characteristic of modern life. It liberates us from the ever-present demands that are put on or that are put upon us. Demands that at the moment feel so urgent and pressing, but that in reality have no lasting significance. In solitude, the useless trivialities of life begin to drop away. Guys, here's something for you to understand. Richard Foster wrote this 22 years before the very first pocket cell phone came on the market. I wonder what he would have to say today about solitude. Now, okay, so is he just talking about here just getting by yourself? Is, is that simply, is, is, that, is that really spiritual? So here's the question. What makes solitude a spiritual discipline? Here's the answer to that question. The presence of God. You're not alone. I'm not alone. God is with you and me. Of course, there are incredible benefits to getting away sometimes, getting alone, alone as a family, perhaps alone as a married couple. You know what? I don't know which elder put this into our job descriptions, but I love it. I I love it. And, and, And it's this, that we are required by our job description JB and myself and Bailey to take our spouses out on a date once a month. And the church pays for it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's really cool. So, getting alone, maybe alone as a group of leaders. I don't know if you realize this, you're going to hear more about this. The elders of Deering and the staff will be going away um, on a getaway this coming fall. 
we'll miss a Sunday morning. Because getting alone is important at times. Perhaps being alone just as you, really being alone. You know what? Jesus disappeared on more than one occasion when he was here on earth in a physical form. He disappeared on more than one occasion to be alone with his father. You know, one of the reasons I enjoy deer hunting is being alone with God and being alone with his creation. I will tell you, the cell phone makes that difficult, and that's my fault. It's gotten to the point that, that I'm not alone because, and the guys know this, because some question goes out and then everybody piles on, you got a conversation going that ends up my brother saying, get me off that list, it's going to drive me crazy, all right? It's not quite being alone. Alone is important, but today we're going to focus on a little bit different aspect of it is this. Today we're going to focus more on being alone and quiet quiet there's specific times in our life scripture tells us to hush okay and we're going to look at some of those times the first one is relationally speaking relationally scripture tells us there are times we need to hush here's a little experiment for you First of all, eat, if you don't do this, and I think the vast majority of you do, eat supper this week, um, a couple times, every night would be great, but at least once or twice as a family. Gather around the table, eat supper. Now, now try to eat that supper without saying a word. And that doesn't mean that you have your cell phone, every one of you in front of you, while you're eating. No, put the cell phone away and just eat. I mean, even for just 10 minutes. And see how long that 10 minutes seems to last. As you're just staring at each other eating. I got I to gotta guess here that, that it's going to be a little awkward feeling. Because we don't do that very often. It's tough to just be quiet and listen. When it comes to dealing with each other relationally. Turn to Proverbs 17. We get some good advice from scripture about being quiet and listening. When it comes to our relationships with people. We're going to look first at Proverbs 17, 27, and 28. And and if you turn there, that'd be great. We're also going to have it up up above here for us as well. Proverbs 17, 27, and 28. It's going to be pretty close, as you can see, to the middle of your Bible. If you open it up, right after Psalms. It says this. He who restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I love verse 28. I love it. Even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise. Uh, That's just good stuff right there. That is great advice. When the fool closes his lips, he's considered prudent and wise. So good advice there. Just, Just shut it. Sometimes, when dealing with people. And open these. But, but, but that's, that's not it. If, if you want the practical book of the Bible in the New Testament, turn to James. Some of you already know where I'm going. It'll be near the end of your New Testament. James, a writer in the New Testament, an elder in the church in Jerusalem in the first century, as well as the half-brother of Jesus. So this guy knows what he's talking about here, all right? James chapter 1, verse 19. 
This is what, this is what James says. He says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And if James isn't specific enough there about about closing this and opening these, what did mom say? She said you got one of these and two of these, so it's Shut the one you got one of, open the one you got two of. You ever heard that one before? It's not from the Bible, it's from mom, but mom's smart, okay? All right. James gets a little more specific about quieting our tongue in chapter 3 when he says this, and he uses a number of illustrations. The, the most powerful one is this, though. The tongue's of fire. And man, it can cause a, it can cause a mess if we're not careful. So he says, Watch it. There are times in life when we need to together be quiet. There are times when I need to be quiet so you can speak. And there are times you need to be quiet so I can speak. All of those relationships that we have. One constant through all of it. It's not shutting this and shutting these. The one constant is listen. So, we are told... To be quiet, all right, relationally. But we are also told through Scripture to be quiet when we're feeling the heat. Here's a question for you. Is it wrong to seek justice when I've been wronged? Is it wrong to seek justice when I've been wronged? Here's the answer for you. No, it's not. It's not. But this is, the, this is the world we live in, okay? Justice will be served by God one day. He'll take care of it all. But sometimes it takes time. So here, here, here's the question. How do I respond when I feel justice is not served? Revenge? Do... Do I howl? Do I open this mouth up and let it go? No, the Bible says there are times to be quiet when feeling the heat. Turn to the 62nd Psalm. Psalm number 62. We're going to read about a guy feeling some heat. Psalm 62 Verses 1 and 2. Now, this will be kind of smack dab in the middle of your Bible, okay? If you just open up right in the middle, you'll probably be somewhere close to Psalms. Turn to the 62nd one. This is a psalm of David, King David. And when he wrote this psalm, it was not a happy time in life. This is what he wrote. Oh, this is just good stuff. My soul waits in silence. For God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. Let me tell you a little something going on when Psalm wrote, or when David wrote that psalm. He had been kicked off his throne forcibly and kicked out of the city of Jerusalem. His own city. 
by his son, Absalom. David was on the run from his son. David was not in a good place in most people's eyes here. All right, matter, and, and this is what he says. He says, my soul waits in silence. And then three verses later, he says the same thing again. And it's not because David, even in the midst of when the ground was shaking underneath him and his life was falling apart, that he was this rock that was immovable. No, it wasn't David who was immovable. Who does it say in that verse who is immovable? God is my rock. And I will not be shaken. David was not in a good place. And he says these words. My soul waits in silence. Silence. For God. God will make this right. So when we're feeling the heat, we are told. Shut up. What about the dull roar of life? The dull roar. Richard Foster also had this to say. He said this about the life we live in, that we live now. He says, there is an intimate connection between solitude and silence. There was a time not so very long ago when solitude and silence were available to people by the normal conditions of everyday life. Not any longer. Remember, he wrote this in the mid-70s, okay? He says, in our day, we have to choose solitude and silence and plan our lives accordingly. Question for all of us. How long has it been since you spent quality alone time, for those of you who are married, with your spouse? Time that you just shut your mouth and listened. Let's, let's take it the next step. How long has it been since you, since I, spent quality alone time with God? Time that you and I just shut our mouths and listen. Preacher, I'm just too busy for that. You know, we were told at camp this week, we got multiple emails. Isn't that right, Christine and Aaron and Donna? We got multiple emails from Jim about, about our cell phones. Remember that? And Donna went... Last Sunday, right after church, and got a watch for this battery. John gave to me years ago. It's a KU watch, so you know it's always right on time. Isn't that right? Unless the battery dies, like it did. So, anyway, so she went and watched battery for me. Because I said, I'll just take my phone. And she just looked at me. It's like, so you're above the rules, huh? So you're going to ask everybody else to do it, but you're not going to do it. It's like, Yeah. It's what you do when you're dean, don't you know? She gave me the look, okay? So she went and got the watch going, and I wore this all week, and it kind of made a habit. I, I kind of like kind of like where I got a tan underneath, tan line underneath it, and I got to keep wearing it. Um, it's kind of going away, but 
You know how hard it was? Was it difficult, Aaron, Christine, Donna, to take those phones and just leave them? Christine's like, no, I'm still doing it. (laughs) Did you know that Jim was telling us in that email that there is a condition now? A A medical, they have defined it, a psychological condition of anxiety when you don't have your phone in your pocket, in hand, or in your purse. We're busy people, aren't we? We are so busy. Why don't you turn to Luke chapter 10. I'm stealing this from the guy who preached this week, Matt Richards, out at, out at camp. Turn to Luke chapter 10. He preached about this, I believe it was Monday night. Man, he did an awesome job preaching. He really, really did. Really did. He's a children's minister up at Crossroads Christian Church up in Shawnee, Kansas. Luke chapter 10, it's the third book in your New Testament, written by Dr. Luke. And Luke writes about an event that took place. Um, We're going to begin Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Verse 38. See... Let's read this with the thought of busy in the back of our minds for a moment here, okay? Now, as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Bossy older sisters, goodness. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Wouldn't that be funny if it was Marsha, Marsha? It's not. It's Martha, Martha, okay? I know you're thinking Marsha, Marsha in your brain. But it's Martha, Martha. Martha, Martha. You're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. You know how Matt preceded and started this sermon? He started talking about how the campers at home understand what it's like when company's coming over. And how moms like turn into like RoboCop, okay? That's what they do. They straight cyborg when company's coming over. Because that house, this house going to look different, kids. Husband, you're not getting out of this. This house going to look different. And you go to work, and you go to work, and you go to work. Martha and Mary not only had company. Who was coming over? The Son of God. Okay? Which is kind of ironic because he's God's Son. He knows, he knows what the house looked like before you started getting it ready for him. But regardless, Martha's cleaning, Martha's cooking. She's trying to put the best foot forward. And there's Mary, sitting in there doing nothing. Martha's not happy about it. She says, Jesus, do something about this. But if you look closer at this scripture, is Mary doing nothing. Look closely. Look closely. 
at verse 39. She was seated at the Lord's feet doing what? Listening. Martha was doing nothing wrong. Martha was serving. That's what she was doing. But Mary was doing what was better. She was sitting at the feet of God, listening. Yes, there are times when God wants us to just stop doing stuff. Even the good stuff. And be alone with him. Three times God says shut it through scripture when we're dealing with each other. When we're feeling the heat and difficulty in life. And when we just get busy. And sometimes forget how important it is to stop and listen. Is God shushing you and me, is it, is it time, is it time to be quiet? I got a question for you. Now, I'm not saying, this, is, this would not be an easy thing to pull off, okay? Because I know the world that we live in. But I have a question for you. What would you do with a 24-hour solo? Let me define that for you. A solo many times takes place. Um, Hidden Haven Camp used to have what they called wilderness camp. They're working towards maybe getting something like that rolling again. It's been a number of years since it took place. Where they would take anywhere from 10 to 20 high school youth and they would go to Colorado. They would spend a week there. And they do a, a lot of different things. But what they would do for one period, one 24, 24 hour period, a full day, is every one of those campers would pack up their tent, their sleeping gear, everything. They would get enough food and enough water, and they would take a Bible. That's it. And a journal. Correct myself there, okay? And a pen to write with. And for 24 hours, they went off on their own. No interaction with any other human being. No phone. And spend time alone with God. Now if you sent one of your kids on one of those trips. The staff knew exactly where they were. They did not go 15 miles. Okay. But they want to be alone with God. What would you do with a 24 hour solo? Could you handle it? I'm telling you it wouldn't be easy. Because we're so accustomed to doing to looking, to talking. I think if we actually did that, we might be surprised at the result of it. We wrap up in the 46th Psalm. Psalms are just so good when it comes to listening to God.
Everybody turn to this one. This one's important. Forty-six Psalm, the tenth verse. I'm gonna give you a second to get there. This is what is written in God's word. It says this: Cease striving. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now if you're reading an NIV right now, or perhaps another version of the Bible, it might sound a little bit different. It probably says something a little like this. Be still. And no, I'm God. If you look at the 46th Psalm, you can see that it's not an easy time to be still. There's some rough stuff going on. And yet, God says, cease striving. He says, be still. As a matter of fact, the word in Hebrew is Rapha. And you know what it means? Relax. Relax. And know. I'm God. Relax. And know. I've got this taken care of. I'm God of the nations. I'm God of the world. I've got it in my control. Be still and know I am God. Would you please stand with us? Um, this is not an easy world in which we live to be still, to be quiet, to be calm when life is not calm. It's what our God calls us to. Not to our detriment, to our benefit. I don't know. I can tell you from my personal experience that I don't prioritize getting away, quieting this thing enough. I wish they had camp for adults. Because after spending a week with some 5th and 6th graders, as, as loud as they can be when you're trying to get them to sleep the first couple of nights, those kids by the end of the week begin to get it and they could teach us some lessons of what it means to be quiet and listen. For the voice of God. If God's voice is saying something to you today. Don't leave. Without doing something about it.